Channel Open, welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network, and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on July 22nd, 2023, and is current through the Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode of Those Old Scientists, so beware of spoilers. Alright, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to... A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a regular news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in the Alex Kurtzman era of Star Trek with the 12th television show and the 14th movie currently in production, and merchandise continuing to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me and I'll help you sort the real facts from lots of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone. And my guests this week are two very special returning guests who I'm actually live and in person with right now. It's Infinite Diversity co-host Thad Hayes and Starfleet Academy Awards host Caleb Dorsch. Thad and Caleb, welcome back to Weekly Track. Happy to be here. As always. All right, guys. Well, you know the drill. I want to know what's got you excited about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Well, we just watched those old scientists. Yes, we did. That was freaking amazing. (laughs) Um, Also, I am over the moon about the upcoming musical episode of Strange New Worlds as well. Yes. Those old scientists is obviously my answer about what I'm feeling good about Star Trek this week. Caleb, what about you? I mean, it's hard to choose something other than those old scientists, but I will say I I just finished rewatching Discovery Season 4 and seeing couple minutes of Discovery Season 5. I'm revved up right now, and I'm loving it. Very excited about that. Yeah, so this is, for those listening later, it's Saturday, July 22nd, which is the day of the Enter the Star Trek Universe panel at San Diego Comic-Con. So we are obviously feeling pretty high from all of the announcements today, including those old scientists dropping today. Obviously, by the time everybody's listened to this, you hopefully have all watched it by now. I've watched it three times. I've watched it four times. And Caleb just watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Caleb, what did you like most about those old scientists? I, honestly, it was it was the just the quick quips from Jack Quaid. He riffed on a lot of things, it felt like, and he was just on it the whole episode. Uh, I, I was not expecting to get as much Boimler as we did. And I thought that he was, he was the standout, honestly, of the episode for me. Yeah, for me, the real MVP... Of those old scientists at Jack Quaid. Yeah. Agreed. Matt, what about you? What do you think? Uh, Jack Quaid was amazing. Tony Newsom was amazing. Jonathan Frakes did an incredible job directing. It was just a really fun episode filled with all sorts of great references, which you get from Lower Decks, but also didn't stray so far as to make it not feel like Strange New Worlds. And I thought it just... They hit it out of the park with this one. That, for me, is the part I love the most, which is... This is an episode of Strange New Worlds, right? It's in season two of Strange New Worlds. But it is also an episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. And it's both at the same time without it being a Lower Decks version of Strange New Worlds or a Strange New Worlds version of Lower Decks. Like, yeah. I just mm-hmm. think they did such a nice job of authentically integrating both of the like atmospheres of the two shows together. Yeah. And honestly, like... The first I'm like I watched well, the first time I watched it, I was in tears laughing, and like I typically don't laugh that much at like you know lo- like comedy when I'm watching it on television. This one really got me, and I just remember thinking the whole time I was like, "This is amazing," but it's actually really obvious to me how close this was to being a complete disaster. 
Mm. Right? Mm. Like, in the sense that if the performances were not as good, if the writing was not as tight, if the costumes, right, like, if the lower decks costumes didn't feel right in live action, Mm. any of those pieces, if they had just been a little bit off, the episode itself wouldn't have worked. And so the fact that the episode works flawlessly and is probably... I mean, yes, recency bias, but so far my favorite <laughs> episode of season two of Strange New Worlds, like, that really lands for me, you know? It just, it really worked. It mixed those vibes so well. And, like, that was a hard job for Jack Quaid and Tony Newsom. And Jack Quaid was definitely the MVP because obviously he's in the whole episode and Tony's just in the last few acts. But she, like, of the two characters, like... Mariner was the one that, re- like, uh, Boiler was the MVP, but Mariner was the standout for me. Yeah. Like, I really loved the way that Tawny sort of, you know, live actioned up Mariner, which is a little easier for her to do than Jack's Boiler, because Boiler is very arch in a way that Mariner is a bit less so. But yeah, it just terrific. I would also say that it's really interesting that they successfully were able to get a little bit of time with each of the main cast members and Boimler or yes. Mariner. Like they each had significant scenes with at least one key cast member, even Ortegas, who feels like she didn't get a whole lot yeah. in, in the season sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the other piece of it too, for me was they didn't just rely on the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Right, there were really nice character moments and ways that this advanced the arcs for Spock and Chapel, for Pike, which was surprising, for Number One, which was surprising, and for Boiler and Mariner as well. Yeah, it's oh. a lot to process still. There's a lot that happens in this oh, episode. Yeah, just yes, an awesome hour of Star Trek, and it's not even an hour. It was like. Forty-eight minutes, and, minutes ago. and they yeah. even successfully built in character development for Tendi, who's barely even in the episode, right? Mm-hmm. And that was—I thought that was actually a really unique twist and how to on how they ended it too. Mm-hmm. And and I also love the fact that even though they didn't show up in live action, you got Noel Wells and mm-hmm. you got Eugene Cordero participating in the episode mm-hmm. in the animated Lower Decks box. <laughs> And Jerry O'Connell yes. at the end. <laughs> first officer in Starfleet history. Uh, Jerry O'Connell, who it seems like the only role he had on that episode was just to talk about how hot his wife is, which I lo- like, that's yeah. perfect. perfect. You could Jerry not. O'Connell, quintessential wife guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, with that, let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on, and I'm a reporter. Well, despite the writers' and actors' strike currently taking place, Paramount still brought some cool news to share at this week's San Diego Comic-Con, including news on Star Trek Lower Decks, Discovery, Strange New Worlds, and Prodigy. Let's start with Lower Decks, which now has its Season 4 premiere date. Star Trek Lower Decks will premiere on Thursday, September 7th, 2023, for its 10-episode fourth season. And Paramount debuted a teaser trailer to whet our appetite for Season 4. At the edge of the universe. Starfleet intercepted a distress call. Command thinks could be related to the recent attacks. At the brink of destruction. (laughs) The attacks have all been non-Federation ships, but now someone's targeting Starfleet. They're sending the Cerritos? I guess we're finally getting some respect. Uh, Oh, oh, man, I have to start with holodeck waste removal. Your odor will be repulsive. These are the voyages of the crew of the starship Cerritos. We're all such a good team. We finish each other's... Dial Fantine equations. (laughs) 
Don't get too used to this kind of work. Promotions are coming up, and I think you'll be very happy. Wait, really? As long as nothing goes sideways today. All part of the ambiance. On September 7th. Maybe. Holy f***! They will have one chance. Ah. We'll be friends no matter what our ranks are. That's an order. Yes, ma'am. To prove huh. that they can be more. We've worked together for years. I trust you. <laughs> then simply... Lower decks! Lower decks! Slow down, slow down! This is nothing compared to, you know, that Pike thing we aren't supposed to talk about. A new season of Star Trek Lower Decks. Oh man, am I in the game? Move along home. Alamarain, count to four. I saw Voyager, I saw Grand Nagus wrong, and I saw fetching 24th century workout gear. I am pumped for season four of Lower Decks. In addition, the show released key art for the fourth season and extended its run of aping the movie posters with a season four poster model after the iconic Star Trek IV The Voyage Home main poster. Thad and Caleb, what was your reaction to the news that Lower Decks is just six weeks away? Thad? Well, I'm excited, obviously. And since they're continuing the trend of movie posters, it proves we need at least 13 seasons of Lower Decks. <laughs> 14. Yes. <laughs> Uh, soon. <laughs> oh, soon definition. is a very interesting word to use there. Um, even before the strike. <laughs> but I'm a little surprised that they pushed it back a couple weeks in September. I was expecting them to push it back, but I was expecting them to push it back a lot more just so they would have something to fill the impending void in programming when due to the strikes. Uh, so it's interesting that it is pushed back, but because back in April they told us it was coming in August. Uh, it's interesting that it's pushed back just a couple weeks. I guess one of the things potentially going through their mind is it September, which means it'll run through mid-November, mm-hmm. which then means that no Star Trek period will be beginning with the holidays and then until however far into 2024 they yeah. premiere Discovery mm-hmm. Season 4. And back in April... Five. Back in April, they would have had things going into November because they would have had Prodigy. Yes. Right. Mm. Caleb, low deck season four. What do you think? I'm very excited, especially because of the, you know, potential voyage home type framing. Like we definitely get this mysterious probe slash ship type thing that is just destroying a bunch of non-Federation ships that that overarching uh, you know, plot line throughout the season, I think is going to be pretty interesting. Part of me wonders if it's our Agamus Peanut Hamper team up of some sort. Mm. Um, Agamus is on the poster, right? Okay. Which okay. I, it's controversial. I know Peanut Hamper is very <laughs> controversial. I am not a fan of Peanut Hamper. I love Peanut Hamper, but you know that could be a unique twist on it for sure. For sure, I just I'm glad that they're getting away from. It seems like they're getting away from the pack leads after, you know, a couple of seasons. Yeah, and, yeah that's a good one. And we don't have uh, the the little AI plot that we ended with last season. So hopefully it's a different twist on that, which I'm excited for. I'm always in if it means it's more Jeff Combs. Absolutely. And I'm also in from the perspective of, like, one of the things that I really liked in Lower Deck Season 3 that I hope continues into Season 4 is Seasons 1 and 2 and the first half of Season 3 really drew upon other Star Trek for their, like, grounding the stories, grounding the characters, right? Like, the Packlets themselves were a TNG introduction. 
And even though Lower Decks sort of took them and made them their own, these were all concepts that were not original to Lower Decks that Lower Decks was playing the sandbox with. Love or hate Peanut Hamper. <laughs> love or hate Agamus. I think since Jeff Combs, most people are probably on the love side. Like, one of the things that I think is really exciting is now Lower Decks is using its own story to generate new story, right? Characters from previous episodes of Lower Decks that are original to Lower Decks now being potentially, right, we don't know, you know, what we've seen as the trailer, a driving part of the narrative going forward. Like, that's really cool, because that's a show that is not just relying on references to other Star Trek, but, like, has its own unique identity, its own contributions that it has to make. And, like, I'm so pumped for this. I mean, that was a great trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. There's a certain level of depth now that we're in the fourth season. Tillin is coming back and on the ship. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Like, everyone loves Wise Juice. That's the, mm-hmm. the biggest episode of Lower Decks to date, I think. Well, she joined the so, she joined the crew at the end of last season, so right. it makes sense. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled about that. That'll be interesting, too, right? I mean, I think, you know, we, we don't know how many episodes she's in, but she's pretty prominently in the trailer, Mm -hmm. which means you would expect the character is in more than she's not. And that would be the first really significant sort of shakeup of the the big four dynamic from Lower Decks that we've had across its first three seasons, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they they hint in this trailer about promotions. I tried to check everybody's colors all throughout the trailer, and I didn't see any pit changes. But we also know, like, that I'm pretty sure it's in Lower Decks. They have done things specifically for the trailer to not spoil people on stuff, Mm -hmm. where they changed shots slightly to conceal things that they want to hold for the episode and, you know, flick off a piece of street corn and all of a sudden you're back to being an ensign again. Even if, you know, like, we are starting to see the advancement of these characters. Yeah, it's an easy thing to do for an animated show because you can have whatever footage you want to. Right. And who knows if this really bears on it or not, this new Lower Decks, like, crew guide book that's coming out. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yes. In the book, Boimler is listed as being a Lieutenant Junior Grade. Whether that means that kind of is implied in the show, or whether that's just because, like, the guide is written much later, and it doesn't have any bearing on the show, who knows? But it would be cool if we are getting to the point where these characters are starting to rank up a little Right. Right. Please change up the situation. I felt like the last season, season three, was very much about progressing each of their own arcs. Whereas, you know, seasons one and two were a little more reverential, I guess, of of Mm -hmm. past Star Trek and less about the characters themselves. And I feel like we finally got, like, reflections. You get this big episode where we finally figure out what's going on uh, with Rutherford, right? Right. And, And we got a couple of big episodes with Tendi and... You know, I think that it's moving in in that direction. So it, it feels yeah. like it's time. It's organic. It just feels like I'm ready to see some promotions. It's exciting. I just hope no one gets promoted off the ship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And it's also, I think, it is about striking that balance between reverence for prior Star Trek and doing something new. And actually, I would say that's something that those old scientists did pretty well, right? Like, yes, it had your sort of classic lower decksy references, right? The Enterprise crew all commented on it. But then they became the Cerritos crew themselves in the end where they're all geeking out about the NX-01 while at the same time having, you know, the episode not be about just the references but be about, you know, something and characters. And so, yeah, like I'm excited for that for season four. 
Well, and while Star Trek Discovery's fifth season is still half a year away, and a full trailer is likely being held as the big news for New York Comic Con in a couple of months, Paramount debuted an extended clip from what is likely the show's season premiere. Let's give it a listen. Let's talk! Fine. You want to talk? We'll talk. Let us go, and no one gets scuttered. Hand it over first. This doesn't have to end badly for you. It won't. We are extracting them now, Captain. Give us a moment to lock on to you. Wait! No, Saru, I got it. I see them. Activate suit magnetization. Are you all right? Surprisingly, I'm not dead yet. Focus on our team. I'll try to take out their engines. So you can come pick me up and we can get back whatever was in that vault. This is not what I expected when the night started. Whoever you are up there, identify yourself. This is Captain Rayner of the USS Atari. I see you started without me. <laughs> well, we needed some excitement. Thank you for the assist. How close are you to taking out their engines? I just need a few minutes. Well, we're not letting them go, so you do what you need to do. Warning, war bubble stability at 70%. Come on, come on. 50%. That was fast. The war bubble's collapsing, Captain. This ship could be torn apart. You have to release your tractor beam. I'm not letting them go, Captain. Then reverse engines and pull them out of war. If I had a pathway drive, maybe, but we're still making do with burn tech out here. Can't take much more, and I would rather not die out here. I've got a saxophone lesson to get to. My engineering team's on it. We'll figure it out in time. Glad one of us is confident. Warp bubble stability at 32%. Whoa, Rainer, come on, just let them go. I've dealt with these two before. If they get away, we won't track them down anytime soon. Mr. Saru, we are on our way to get you, Captain. Commander mm -hmm. Wolschkin and Reese are being examined in sickbay. Commander Detmer. Take us in as close as you can. Aye, Mr. Saru. Lieutenant Gallo, prepare to beam the captain to safety the moment she is free of the warp bubble. Aye, Mr. Saru. Hang on. Lieutenant Naya, report. Structural integrity is holding, Mr. Saru. Dr. Kovic, perhaps you'd be more comfortable in the ready room? I'll be perfectly comfortable when you've completed your mission. As you wish. Captain Rayner! If the ship gets ripped apart when the war bubble collapses, then the Antares will be destroyed too! That's why they're pushing this. They're counting on me backing off. Warning. War failure imminent. Damn it! Come on! Get out! Get safe! I've got this! No, no, you don't! 
You made this personal! Every mission's personal. It's called doing my job. And don't preach at me. I've heard plenty of stories about you. Captain, you must exit the bubble for us to get a lock on you. Uh, let them go, Rainer! We can track their warp signature. Let them go! Before you and your crew are out of options! Come on! Locking on to you now, Captain. And wow, that was fun. I am pumped for the return of Discovery Season 5. Thad and Caleb. How has that got you feeling, Caleb? Well, like I said, I just did a season four rewatch, so emotions are high coming off of coming home. And then seeing that, that was just fun. It was nice to have a fun discovery clip where it just, yeah, the stakes are high, right? It felt kind of Indiana jones in a little bit, you know? They're, they're trying to recover this artifact and Burnham's <laughs> pulling a, uh, this is Straight out of you know Enterprise with the yeah. on the on the on the, sure. on, the <laughs> on the hull of the ship with the warp bubble and everything. I just I thought it was really cool. I'm intrigued by this Antares class ship or or the or what it was called the USS Antares. I think so. Yeah. I think and and the captain of this ship. I wonder if that's uh, Callum Keith's Rennie's character. Oh, I think it is. Yes. Yeah. That definitely sounded like Callum Keith's Rennie. And so I'm excited to see that dynamic because it seems like they already have a certain level of rapport, which. Mm-hmm. Is when they all when they announce a new character for Discovery, like I feel kind of conflicted about it because there's already so many characters that they I want them to spend more time with, and we know that time is limited, especially with this being the last season. But it seems like they've kind of built that rapport in, and it's going to be a very organic kind of relationship, and they're going to challenge each other as captains, which I think is really cool. It's a different kind of dynamic because who's the other captain who's challenged her to date? Saru. And it's you need someone else that's not on your ship that's not, you know, in your inner circle to kind of challenge you. Much like Relic challenged Burnham last season. So I'm I'm looking forward to that dynamic, I think, the most. Uh, I'll be honest, like the it's it's it was a little jarring in my headspace to watch it because at this point I feel like I've I'm so far removed from discovery at this point. Yeah. Like it's been what? Eighteen months. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> since we last watched Discovery. So yeah, it was it was exciting to see it. I, I have to get back into that Discovery headspace. I probably have to do a rewatch like you're doing, Caleb. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to what may be the only live-action Star Trek we get next year. And yeah. I have been a fan of Callum Keith Rennie since he was the asshole Chicago cop foil to the Mountie, whose name I'm forgetting from the TV show Due South. Did I oh, watch that man, show? that... I have not thought about that show in a couple yeah. of decades. He was the, like... So <laughs> so he was not... So the, the conceit of it was this Mountie from Canada gets sent to the United States to, like, help solve cross-border crimes to Chicago, and he gets paired up with the Chicago PD officer. And Callum Keith Rennie does not play the first police officer he gets 
paired with, I forget who that was, but that guy left after a couple of seasons mm-hmm. and then Callum Keith Reddy came in and replaced him and was, was just as much of like an asshole American Chicago. Cause the, the whole conceit of the show was the Mountie was like, very straight-laced, very buttoned up, like, you know, like, he was the sort of straight man, and then the Chicago police officer was the, you know, was sort of the the, the foil in most of the episodes. And, and of course, the Mountie was always right, because he was also extremely intelligent. So I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed him in that. I enjoyed him in Battlestar Galactica, right? Same kind of oh, yeah. role, you know? And, like, it feels like he has sort of been cast here as to, like, you know, continuing that type of character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They very clearly told us who he is as a captain, assuming that's who it was, which I'm fairly confident it was, in just five minutes. And, I mean, that's probably one of the more impressive effect sequences that we've seen in a Star Trek episode oh, for yeah. a while. Right. I wonder how much of that was actually done with the AR wall. Because oh, yeah. that was kind of, uh-huh. it was kind of hard to tell because everything was in motion. But I, I wonder oh. if the warp bubble was all AR wall. Oh man, can you imagine what it, if it was the AR wall and they put the ship in it? Yeah. And you're Sonequa Martin Green on the little bit of set that they've got, which is the section of the ship you're standing on. And you look up at the wall and there's giant ship a, a giant starship. <laughs> wow. Well, and then also, you know, at the end of that clip, she nearly slams into the view screen of mm-hmm. discovery. Yeah. And that was probably also her just being suspended in front of the AR wall going right at it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then you just blink yeah. and then it cuts scenes onto the bridge. And like, that was a really cool shot. Yeah. Like, uh, I even commented when we saw it. Cause like at first I thought maybe like, I don't know, they had like used the programmable matter to open a hole in the view screen. And she just shot right through. I like missed for a second, but she had even beamed. Yeah, I also it. thought it was really interesting that I forget the name of the captain that Captain Red- Captain Rennie said uh, he was like, "Oh, if we had one of the new like Pathfinder drives, which I yeah. guess they had referenced at the start of season four mm-hmm. as being like the new warp technology that's like post burn technology." Um, so I do like that. Like one of the things that I have I have always really wanted them to do in the Discovery future that I hope they're going to do a bit more of is that like world building within the 20, 32nd century and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, sort of creating a unique but also Star Trek-y space. Mm-hmm. And like, that was just one of those details that was like, oh, I love that. That, right? Like, that's just a, that's one of those like cool Star Trekky details that we just, you know, we as fans, or at least I, I should say, I as a fan respond to very well. Well, and after being heavily teased for months, it is now official. Star Trek Strange New Worlds is doing a musical episode. Episode 9 of this season, Subspace Rhapsody, will be a musical. Paramount debuted a trailer to give us a taste. Probable. And yet, 
Here we are. fans will either love or hate. I personally think I'm going to love it. I've talked before about how I am excited for Star Trek to be doing experimental things and a musical certainly ranks. And given the surprise early release of the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover Those Old Scientists, that means episode 8 of the season will now debut this Thursday on July 27th with Subspace Rhapsody following on August 3rd, also the first day of the Star Trek Las Vegas convention oh. taking place. Oh, are they? I thought, I assumed this meant that we wouldn't get one. Nope, it's moving up. Oh, this is just screwing up my podcast recording schedule <laughs> terribly. Yes. <laughs> so it is closer than you think. The episode will feature 10 original songs, plus a Subspace Rhapsody version of the series' main title, with music and lyrics by noted musical theatre producer Kay Hamley. Paramount also debuted a special poster to celebrate the musical episode of Star Trek, which I also thought was delightful. Thad and Caleb, how are you feeling about the prospect of a Strange New Worlds musical? Thad. I am extremely excited for a Strange New Worlds musical. I've been saying for years that Star Trek needs to do a musical episode. I personally love musicals, and I love Star Trek, so I think it's two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> Caleb? I am also team I'm going to love it. I was actually really surprised that this is the cast that they decided to do a musical with. Obviously, Discovery has a couple of Broadway stars on their you know main crew, but Christina Chong's put out a couple of songs recently, which yep. are awesome. And Sally Rose Gooding can sing like really, really well. And so I'm really excited about the potential for all of that. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm interested actually in the most to see how Ethan Peck handles it because he's got such a deep voice. Oh, but yeah. overall, it looks like everyone had a lot of fun making it just from that trailer. So I'm ready for it. Yeah. Bring it on. And it puts into context, right? I mean, we, we use some of these details in like theorizing that it was a musical, but some of the cast talking about how, you know, for this episode, it required an extra amount of rehearsal. They rehearsed on weekends, you know, and like, you watch that trailer, like, this is not just a musical in terms of, it is a Star Trek episode that has singing in it. Obviously, we've had Star Trek episodes that have singing in it. No, like, this is a musical with choreographed set pieces, dance routines, right? Like, they really are, like, when I... I thought when they, you know, when there was talk about them doing a musical, it was like, well, they, they would go halfway towards like the full musical experience, but they weren't going to go the whole way. No, they are going, they are going in. I and, mean, and there's, and there's a brief clip. There's some sort of anomaly or something that looks yes. like it's causing it. So there's still like a science fiction yeah. aspect to this, which I'm curious about. I'm, I'm wondering if it's, you know, some, omnipotent being of some sort, you know, pulling oh, yeah. strings to... uh it's cute. Yeah, or a Trillane problem, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to make everyone musical, but... Or it's just someone else entirely. You know, also, we haven't heard... Uh, who's the character in... Um, it's Requiem for Methus- Methuselah, right? Doesn't oh, he have Flint. Like, Flint, yes. Doesn't Flint have a musical background? Oh, he was he was Mozart. He was Beethoven. No, he was Mozart. Yeah. So there there are a lot of possibilities. I think you know, if, especially if they're pulling from the TOS canon of things. Yeah, I I had assumed 
my, I was like, how could they do a Strange Worlds musical? Obviously, this is not what they're doing because the trailer indicates this is not it. But like, I was like, well, maybe they make first contact with a race that communicates only in song, which sounded like plausible to me. And then it's just like, okay, there's gonna be a bunch of singing in the episode because like that's how you make first contact with this. So like race, uh, Tamarian sort of thing. exactly, yeah. yeah, 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 like not metaphor but song. But yeah, they seem to be going more the anomaly route. It looks like. Like, I mean, if they're doing these songs, I would be shocked if there isn't then, like, a release of the soundtrack. I'm super curious to hear, I mean, I think we heard part of it in the trailer, but, like, the the musical version of the Strange New World's main titles, I think that's going to be really interesting. And then, obviously, there's a lot of, like, character stuff, right? Like, you know, this trailer has Le Kirk is back. Mm-hmm. So I know some people who will be very happy about that. You've got, like, Pike and Battelle, you know, there's, like, I don't know, I think, I think this could be a really fun episode. We were both wrong, it's Brahms. It's Brahms, okay, well. <laughs> well, and, you know, the the other thing, though, Alex, you said that they could potentially put this out as a soundtrack. I wouldn't get your hopes up about getting it any time before, like, 2025, though, <laughs> with how long it took them to get the season one soundtrack out. Presumably um, that license has now been worked out, and I'm hoping we're going to get the season two soundtrack pretty quickly. Yes, yes you hopefully. know whatever deal is done. And that it will come. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. I mean, honestly, like, we are actually recording this slightly before we have had a chance to see any of the online reaction to those old scientists. So I think that one is, it like... Like half an hour before. <laughs> yeah. There are people who are going to, like, love that one too. And there are also people who are not, right? Like, I think one of the things that Strange New World Season 2 is really leaning into the idea of, which a lot of Star Trek fans are not on board with, I'm not one of them, is that Star Trek is not a documentary, uh-huh. right? Like... You know, the idea of mixing animation and live action, the idea of doing a musical episode, right? Like, I mean, there are, you know, they do create explanations for all of that. And you could take that last episode of those old scientists where they're, you know, drinking the Orion stuff and be like, well, there is now an in-universe explanation for why somebody would feel like they were animated, Mm -hmm. right? Like... If you want to go that far as to saying you need everything to fit together and you need it to be an historical documentary, they've given you enough to be able to do that. But they're also saying, let's make some fun Star Trek episodes, right? Let's do something experimental. 900 episodes, right? Like, I, and I'll keep harping on this. If you don't like one of them, you that's 899 okay. More you to exactly. Set that one aside and enjoy the other 899 to your heart's content. And they've always done things like this. Right. Like, we look at... All the weird holodeck episodes we had in the 90s. We look at things like uh, uh, Living Witness, stuff like that. Like, there's always been stuff where our characters get to do weird things they wouldn't normally do, and there's some reason explanation for it. And then the musical episode, if you love musicals, you'll probably love this. And if you hate musicals, given that they seem like they're really leaning into the musical vibe, oh, yeah. you're going to hate this one. But that's okay, you know? It's all right. And we'll have a good time doing it. And those who love it will love it. And those who hate it will uh, hate it. And screw that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and lastly this week, Paramount are heeding the call to save Star Trek Prodigy. Announced yeah. yesterday at the 50 Years of Animation panel, Paramount has finally... 
finally made the last 10 episodes of Star Trek Prodigy's first season available for immediate digital purchase. Yes, that's right. You can go and get them right now digitally and have officially announced that the second half of season one will be hitting Blu-ray in North America on September the 26th. And if you are outside the United States, a full season one Blu-ray will be reaching the UK and Germany on September 25th and October 25th, respectively. No word yet about the release of season two, but I expect that will take several more months to get figured out, so it's not unusual we did not hear anything about Season 2 at San Diego Comic-Con, other than that the studio is looking for a new home for it. But every episode of Star Trek is now available to watch again in some form, even if not on Paramount+, Plus, and that's very important. Star Trek. Yeah, right. And that's very important to so many Star Trek fans, including myself. So, after many weeks of beating up and down and all over Paramount, I will say a hearty thank you to Paramount for taking these steps to make the whole of Prodigy's first season available to fans, and we're looking forward to news about season two. That and Caleb, how are you feeling about the Prodigy home media release news? Caleb? I am thankful. It's okay if the next one is but. (laughs) But. (laughs) It took too long. It should. If this was going to happen, there should have been a plan in place because, honestly, Paramount got caught with their pants down. They look yes. like a bunch of fools. And they still look like a bunch of fools. And the internet uproar. You have as many signatures on the Change.org petition as they did for Strange New Worlds when they wanted that to go through. And how can you sit there and stare at it and just say, oh, this is still the right call? Very clearly not the right call. We're now getting Nielsen ratings you know, for streaming services and how many minutes of Star Trek are starting to show up, Strange New Worlds is showing up. That's now two shows in a row that are showing up. I want to bet you, guess what's going to come in eighth or ninth place? Lower Decks. What's going to come in eighth or ninth place? Discovery. What could have come in eighth or ninth place? Prodigy. It's kind of just like, what do you mean? Is it because it's a kid's show? Is it because you failed to advertise it properly on Nickelodeon? I mean, I'm still upset. Like, they did. They really did. I'm glad it's available. I'm really happy that... You know, people can watch it now, but there's still no home for season two. And I know things are looking up, but I'm going to be glass half empty still until they fully remedy the situation. And that is fully right. Bad. Honestly, I'm half empty. Uh, I'm half empty and I'm kind of judging you for being half full. Uh, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, thank you, Paramount, for doing the bare minimum. It's not like they saved the show. We still don't have any news on... Season 2. Season 2 is still cancelled as far as Paramount Plus is concerned. Season 1 is still not available on Paramount Plus and maybe never will be again. All they did was make the episodes that were already available, that had been previously available, available for us to purchase, which should have been true from day one when they cancelled it. Yeah, That I 1000% agree with. I mean, and, and also, you know, like I would say the Prodigy uproar was comparable to the discovery uproar that there was when it was pulled internationally mm-hmm. at the last minute and the Netflix deal collapsed. And, and they, they fixed, fixed that, that in a within week. like a week. One yeah. week. It took them one week to fix that. It's taken them pretty much a month mm-hmm. to fix, to, to even make the, fir- the last 10 episodes of Prodigy season one available to purchase digitally, which they were already loaded into the system, right? Yeah. Like, if you went on Apple or you went on Amazon, like, they were there, you just couldn't watch them. It was just a case of, like, flipping whatever switch you need to in order to ultimately yeah. make them In fact, available. my understanding, and this could be from someone who was not, who 
wasn't fully aware of it, but my understanding was that all ten, all all twenty episodes were already available on iTunes in the yeah, UK. Right. Yes. Yes, I did see that too. Yeah. So what the hell, Paramount? But we can watch them again. Last yes. night I watched uh, Asylum and Let Sleeping Board Lie, and so I'm you know I'm going to finish off. I mean, obviously I've seen it already a couple of times, but I'm going to I'm rewatching the back half of Prodigy season one now that I can. It's. I think I like the back half more than the first half. Same. Yes. And Mind Walk through Supernova. That's an incredible hour and some change of television. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm just glad those episodes are available. There's so much that happens there. And Aaron Walkie has been teasing since Picard aired season three that it all ties together. Mm-hmm. There's so much coming. If. We can find the place for it. Yeah. And like, it, just knowing that, having that thread, oh, it's just, I just, I want yeah. it. I mm-hmm. want it now. I thought we were going to get it in, a, in, you know, a couple of months and we're not getting it yep. in a couple of months. And so it's just still, you know, it's, it's out there. They're working on it. We know they're working on it, but until they secure a deal, it sucks. Yeah. And I really do wonder if they would have made this decision if they, if the strike had happened a month earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I, Kelly, was it you who was like, you know, there's a strike, there's a bunch of content, you know, that's now missing from schedules coming up. Right. Like, wouldn't it make sense? It'd be for, very convenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, any of the Star Trek shows, honestly, they're on streaming to move them over to uh, the linear channel. It would make perfect sense to put Strange New Worlds on CBS. Yeah, especially yeah. given how popular it is. I mean, mm-hmm. Caleb, you're right, right? Like, before I watched Those Old Scientists, this was when I was feeling good about Star Trek this week, which was... Strangely Worlds placed in the top 10 for the second week in a row. Star Trek Picard Season 3 did not accomplish that fact. They had three, they placed three times, but not consecutively. And fascinatingly to me, given a lot of the conventional narratives that they have been about Picard being so much more popular than the rest of the Star Trek shows, Ad Astra Perispera was watched for like 397 million minutes in the week that um, it trapped onto the charts. The Last Generation, the Star Trek Picard Season 3 series finale, was watched for 400 million minutes. The second episode of Strange New World Season 2 is a rounding error's popularity away from the Star Trek Picard series finale that, you know, everything had built towards. And, like, I'm really curious as the season goes on. Episode 2 improved over Episode 1 in terms of viewership. Are we going to see that continue and this Strange New World is going to end up being one that we can point to and actually say, like, actually, this is the most popular current Star Trek show on TV right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And I think part of that is just because of how accessible it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's not to cast any aspersions over Star Trek Picard. No. I love Star Trek Picard. I want Star Trek Legacy so badly. But it's also just, like, one of the things I chafe against is this narrative that that got created online that was like Picard season three fans proved the Star Trek that they wanted by watching Picard season three and then not watching any of this other stuff so Paramount should shift towards doing more of that and less of the things that it's been doing up until this point and like I love Picard season three at this point today my favorite season of Star Trek in 2023 is Strange World season two same. That will probably change in September, but it very well could. <laughs> but on your point with, with putting things on CBS, too, like, what is CBS' flagship show on their linear channel? 
It's NCIS. And even though that's in its 20th season, they just took oh, NCIS LA off the... It's a 22nd season or something like yeah. that. NCIS LA just wrapped. Yeah, I was in high school. New Orleans is gone, season, so yeah. right? They have NCIS Hawaii, but all those shows are impacted by the strike. I guarantee you they will not start airing when they were intended to. You now have a clean slate. Mm-hmm. What are you going to put on TV? And they have CSI as well. Which won't. Right. Yeah. Right. So it just makes sense. This is your time. You've had Paramount. You're trying to draw more subscribers to your base. Take all your Star Trek stuff that's, you know, now three, four seasons deep and put it on there. Run them consecutively. Run them in good time slots, not a 10 p.m., 11 p.m. time slot like you did with Discovery Season 1, two and a half years after it aired. <laughs> like, yeah. And that feeds into that whole narrative you're talking about, Alex. We're like, oh, well, they did that on the linear channel, and, you know, it didn't do well. It's like, well, yeah, look at when they aired it and how long ago after they aired it compared to what was currently airing on Paramount. Yeah. Why would anyone watch that at that point in time? Like, now, there's nothing else... Mm-hmm. To have, so you should, you should go ahead and do that. But I don't know, and especially with something like Strange New Worlds, they won't have to edit it for content. Like they they already announced they're putting Yellowstone on CBS. They're going to have to edit that down. Yeah, right. Although a couple of these season two mm-hmm. Strange New World episode runtimes have gotten pretty yes. long, they yes. might still yeah. have to edit that down. The first couple episodes, I think, are like an hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they can they can do them in ninety minute blocks, but yes, yes. All right, we've talked about the facts, and now let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain, but it's still all speculation and theory. So each week, my guests and I give you a wish or theory we're nurturing about any of the shows or the future of the franchise. So Thad and Caleb, let's hear your theory or wish for this week, Thad. Well, my wish is going to be very selfish. Okay. I wish that the strike will be resolved before Star Trek The Cruise next year. Oh, yeah. Because I don't think that'll happen if it isn't, because it's an official event. It's an official event. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, The best thing that ever happened to Star Trek Las Vegas this year is not being an official convention. Because so far, you know, what are we, 10, 11 days out from the start of the convention, three actors have dropped out as a consequence of the strike. Kate McGrew, Robbie Duffy McNeil, uh, Natalia Nugalich, and... If it had been the official Star Trek convention, the 147 guests there, or however many they've announced for Star Trek Las Vegas, would be a lot smaller yeah. than it uh, than it otherwise is. Yeah, I, I, I made the joke on Infinite Diversity that uh, if this is before we do all the guidelines, that maybe it'll just be a couple of fringe right wing actors who don't believe in unions. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be Gary Graham and nobody else. Oh, they'll get Dwight Schultz in or something. Uh, you know, I figured that someone, you know, you could, I mean, like. Even if the strike had been stricter and and more had pulled out, there's still folks who are just like done with you know they're yeah. retired from acting, done with the union. The the TOS actors that always have tables in the exactly, room are yeah. not no. showing up on NCIS. Right, they're not showing up. Although Bob, Bob Picardo was just on NCIS last That's season. True. Yeah, I wasn't counting. <laughs> <laughs> but I was even thinking like Shatner and George Kane and Walter Koenig and stuff. Right? Oh yeah, like, yeah. at ninety two. Right. You know, what does he care about it? All right, Caleb, what about you? <sighs> I'm just, I'm still just thinking about this discovery footage, and I just hope that it's as fun as it looks. Yeah. Like, I think it will be good to have a season of discovery that isn't a galaxy ending threat. I know that's a major criticism, criticism of the show. I personally love all of it, but I, I get it. I get it. They need some fun, and to go out with a fun arc, I'm feeling a bit better about. 
than when they announced Discovery was getting pulled, you know, several yes. months ago. Because yeah. Discovery also had the rug pulled out from them. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that the cast members had to go back for reshoots and that they found out on the cruise that, mm-hmm. you know, that it was getting canceled, I think, was also... Paramount has now done the franchise dirty twice, through Discovery and now Prodigy. At least they did the reshoots. At least they did the reshoots. But I, I hope that, you know, my wish is that, that there's a satisfying ending. I heard Frakes talk about the ending, and he thought it was really, really just great and satisfying and leaves you off in a good place. And I just hope that, you know, that holds up and that it lands well. I think there's a lot riding on that season now, especially because it is the last live action season of Star Trek for a while. So Mm -hmm. that's my wish, that it stays as fun as it looks and that it ends really well. They have certainly earned themselves a fun season. You know, one, one thing that you could potentially, potentially criticize Strange New World Season 2 for, potentially, is that a lot of episodes have leaned real hard into Goofy. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, maybe a little too hard too many times. Right? Like, it's a very... Like, Strange New World Season 2 is a very funny season of Star Trek. That's great. But it's also just like, do I want the next two seasons to be, like, this focused on comedy? Maybe not, right? Like, you know, it would be nice to... I mean, obviously, there are serious episodes of Strange Worlds. There was just one this week. Yeah. Uh, there is at least one more coming up. But, like, if any show has earned itself a little bit of levity, and the actors on any show earn themselves the ability to stretch a little bit into, like, doing some of the more levity stuff as well, it's certainly a Star Trek Discovery where, like, those actors have had, like, dramatic meals for the last four seasons, like, dramatic feasts... And I'm sure that itself will continue. That's part of the show. That's part of its identity. And I, and I, like, from the perspective of, I think it's a good thing to have that because Strangely Worlds does have sort of more lighter and goofier part of Star Trek live action sort of cornered. But something that is fun, that is a little bit lighter, I think would be really welcome. All right. Let me tell you my theory. So the one piece of news from this week that we have uh, not talked about yet is from the animation panel. Okay. Oh, true. And these shorts that they've announced. Oh, yeah. Which are not quite short treks, it sounds, but they are basically these animated shorts done in the animated series style. And Jonathan Frakes is doing one as Riker. Doug Jones is doing one as Saru. Who's the third one? Armin Shimmerman. Armin Shimmerman as, as Quark. Quark. Yeah. And then there was, there was art. They haven't announced Ethan Phillips, but there was a, there was a fourth that showed Neelix. Right. And they, in the announcement, very sort of pointedly described them as being promotional. And in the panel yesterday, it sounds like the panelists were asked about the shorts and were told that there would be more information coming on Star Trek Day. Now, one of the things that we... Like, it's it seems like Star Trek Day this year is going to focus very much on animated. One of the things they have said is that for Star Trek Day, there will be cinematic screenings of Lower Decks. Uh, yeah, so September 7th, Season 4 drops, right? September 8th, Star Trek Day... So there's going to be, presumably, they're going to show the first few episodes of season four of Lower Decks as a fandom event screening, probably, you know, at least in the US, hopefully other places, but definitely in the US. And they talked about these shorts, you know, we'll give you more information about them on September the 8th. I mean, if they are promotional shorts, they have to be promoting something, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and so what could they 
right? Like, what are they promoting? If the focus of Star Trek Day this year is on animation, given that partially is, like, <laughs> all they have left to do, yeah. going to want to hold Discovery Season 5 stuff for New York Comic Con, so what else are they going to do for Star Trek Day? This is such a weird thing well, to say. animation is not covered by the strike. Correct. This is such a weird thing to say coming off the back of uh, them just having cancelled two shows. Including one animated. Including one animated. <laughs> but, like... I don't know. Is it possible that they're gearing up to announce another animated project? It doesn't necessarily have to be a series, right? Like, could it be a animated movie? Even, you know, even just like a, a very long short trek or just like a one-off something. I don't know. Like, are they like, <sighs> Caleb? I think this might have actually been a theory of yours a long time ago. Right a, my theory. <laughs> an animated Holiday special. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> because like, a lot of your holiday special, like a lot of your holiday <laughs> movies and yes. things that we grew up with oh, yeah. are all animated. Yeah, and in a very similar animation style. And they pull together, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. like the Star Wars one, it's like, I ah, just throw in a bunch of characters from wherever. Also, they're looking at the buzz created over the last month or so about the very soon forthcoming Babylon 5 animated film. Yes. And they're saying, oh, we can get a piece of that. And also, I think Disney was quite successful last year with their Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I think that was great. I like that. All right. My theory is, I'm going to cut out everything Caleb said. <laughs> My theory for this week is they're doing a holiday special. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. I, I, like, actually, I'm on board with that as being, on Star Trek Day, they're going to announce an animated holiday special that will be in the style of the animated series as a tribute, because it's the 50th anniversary of the animated series, that's why they're doing this. As a tribute to the animated series, they're going to do a Star Trek holiday special in the animated series style. Yeah, and they did say that this would touch on all the series. Yes. So, yeah, this could be very interesting. Yeah, I really hope they do like the Filmation music as well. And I feel like, and I feel like we got a, uh, a pretty good taste with Ephraim and Dot, right? Like, that, yeah. that also spanned several... Iterations of tra- of the original series, at least, but yeah. it went all the way through several even the timelines. Getting blown up. Right. Well, so it makes me wonder if they're going to kind of expand on something like that. And it was a fan thing, but it was very popular. Those YouTube videos that oh, were getting yeah. passed around of like uh, that portion of the best of both worlds done in the animated series style, Voyager or Threshold done yep. in the animated series style, mm-hmm. like. Those were incredibly well done, and they were fun, right? They they were just redoing portions of an existing episode. Yeah, with the audio from the episode. Yeah, with the audio from the episode, but like with all the animated series sort of flourishes and touches to it, which, you know, I thought was really wonderful. And so, yeah, like, I don't think I would want... Like, I don't... I don't... I don't love the animated series, and so I don't think I want, you know, them to be like, we're gonna do ten episodes of... Filmation-style Star Trek <laughs> animation. Like, I don't think I want that, but I but I think I would be down for, like, a, yeah, like a holiday special type thing. Like, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And if they do do that, right, like, quite sad, I mean, now they've cancelled a bunch of shows, there's obviously room for it again, was, like, the short treks went away. That was a really fun format and style and let them try and do new stuff. And so, yeah, if this... 
if this has sort of opened the door for them to like do some of this, you know, more interesting stuff, I think that's really awesome. Do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Section 31, Starfleet Academy, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, or Prodigy that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek or email them to me at Weekly Trek at the Tricordertransmissions.com and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guests, Thad Haight and Caleb Dorsch, for joining me today. Thad and Caleb, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? Caleb. You can find me on Twitter at RogueMoog. That's R-O-G-U-E-M-O-G-H. And that. You can find me on Twitter at Tyranicus. That's T-Y-R-A-N-I-C-U-S. And you can hear my thoughts on every new episode of Star Trek on the Infinite Diversity Podcast. And you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry on Twitter and at Alex T. Perry everywhere else. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Thad. Thank you, Caleb. And thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper.